Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know, the podcast where we talk about musicals and what they teach us. I am Zane C. Weber, and with me at the table this evening are three lovely ladies, starting with Miranda Selwood and Julie Eisentrager and our super special guest, Cheryl-Lee Seckham. Welcome, Cheryl-Lee. Hi, Cheryl-Lee. Hi. Cheryl-Lee is a theatre creator and Creative genius, did you yeah. say? Just yes. general, yep. general theatrical general talent. talent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the talent. So, uh, the talent that is Cheryl Lee Second. I like that. You yeah. could get that on I'm a business blushing. card. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I'm doing on business doing it right now. now. Doing yeah, it do now. It. So, <laughs> Cheryl Lee has decided that we should do a show about how to succeed in business without really trying. Yeah, well, we've all already done it. We've mm-hmm. all already done it, right? You've been yeah, in it. Yeah, I've been in it. And Julie and I were in Cheryl Lee's. All right, so we're done. Go home. That's it. Uh, no, 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 no. Thanks, guys. Well, now we need no. to tell everyone else about our experience in the oh, show. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Do that. Let's do that. So you were both, both Julie and Miranda, in a production directed by Cheryl Lee of this show. Correct. Yes. Wonderful. Hmm. I was in a production... I, I say in. I was on stage for maybe two minutes, but I was the book. I was the. Oh, that is perfect. Ah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, and I would then. love to see your costume. <laughs> Did you have a book costume? Yeah. No, my, like it's a school <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah. My Please. book costume was my TV presenter costume right. and a microphone. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what mm-hmm. my book was. So was there a, like a video of the book? You did the book live or? I did the book live. There was meant to be video. They were meant to be very multimedia about it. But when they got into the theatre, the equipment that they'd be promised didn't work and so I had to do it live. Classic. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Taylor's at his time. That's right. <laughs> so uh, before we get into the show and what we know about it and what we've learnt from it, we have a guest quiz that we like to give to our guest, Cheryl Lee. Yes. Okay. I'm so um, excited to hear I'm up for it. <laughs> yeah. So the first question is, which musical character would other people compare you to? Hmm, I think um, other people would compare me to. Hmm, I think anything that Elaine Stritch played. <laughs> <laughs> Here's to the lady. Here's to the lunch, yeah. Um, yeah, it'd, yeah, it'd either be Joanne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I can't say I've ever seen you overindulge. It's nothing to do with the alcohol. It's just the way the brain goes. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, which musical character would you like other people to compare you to? Anything that Elaine Stritch played. When I grow up, I want to be Elaine Stritch. That's basically what it is. (laughs) I think that's a noble ambition. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she is okay. one of the great dames of the theatre. Woman with attitude. Oh, Love gosh, it. Oh, gosh, yes. Mm. She released a bio, uh, biography or a documentary. Towards the end of her life, it was yeah. really great. It was. Like, I really enjoyed that. Mm. A biopic. No, no, it was like a documentary of a one-woman show that she was yes. putting on. About herself? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, kind of going I. through what she's done. So I'll link put it. a link to that link in the it, show yeah. notes. Yeah. It's real good. Yeah, it's really I mean, I want to get to the place where I'm walking through Brisbane City in a white business shirt and black tights. That's all she wore. Yeah. <laughs> you could do that. No, Hang she on. couldn't. <laughs> There's a white blouse in this. What's the... Yeah, but no, no, no. We're, we're doing... <laughs> we're decent. We're decent. And, uh, and tap shoes. Tap yeah. shoes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So what is your dream role? Well, that's changed over the years. Now I think it would be something like Rose out of Gypsy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or even right. Mame, but, you know, it's not going to be. You can have Mame, but happen. I will fight you You fight gypsy. me for Gypsy? <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, look, these characters are timeless. Yeah. You don't have to be Mama Rose in the same production. <gasps> But I would They're, like to see oh it. Oh, yeah. There you go. That is classic. There Can we all are. be Mama Rose in the same production? <laughs> yes. That's a new concept, group casting. You have three people for each role in a show and they're all like on it. stage at the same time. Yep. Yeah, all right. Uh, so what is your favourite Sondheim show? Sondheim. I think West Side Story. Really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I do. I like it. It's very mid-century for me. I do like it. Mm. So more... Lyric. I guess we'd say that that's more lyrical than his other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Lyrical meaning musically lyrical. Yes. Not lyrically lyrical. Not full of lyrics (laughs) uh, like his other stuff. (laughs) Uh, So what is currently your favourite, your go-to shower song? You know, I don't know that I have ever sung in the shower. Oh, you need to. No, it's a very <laughs> task focused. Get in, get on with it, get out, you know, that sort of oh, thing. Oh, that's true. No, no, no. So no. I, I'm probably going to need some suggestions for shower songs if I'm going to do that. Oh, something belty. Yeah. 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 Annoy the neighbours. <laughs> you just got to find that, that resonant frequency <laughs> to, like, right. shake the walls. Mm. <laughs> Don't rain in my parade. Oh, I know. Yeah, well, oh, there, there, that. Mm. Otherwise, um, Little Mermaid, no Ursula song. Oh, yeah. Oh, poor Unfortunate yeah. Souls. Yeah. Poor Unfortunate Souls. Mm. Underwater. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Mm. All right. Now is the controversial question. Excluding cats, <laughs> which musical, if you had to delete one, would you delete from existence? See, one is just so hard. I'd t- I'd just For me, controversial as it is, it'd be the entire canon of Lloyd Webber. We're almost there. We've gone through most of them. No, no one's brought up aspects of love yet. So we're we're leaving out the more obscure ones. Yeah, Yeah, the ones that Uh, are. What was the other popular or good? um, The woman, the white woman in white. The white woman. Uh, I think it's woman in white, isn't it? Is she a woman in white? Yeah. No, that was I've never heard it. And then by Jeeves, the one that flopped by itself, so we don't really need to delete it. Yeah, oh, I, I, I don't think you're alone in deleting Lloyd Webber. <laughs> I think he, he has his place. 
I think he's done a lot for musical theatre. I, th- I don't think you can delete the whole catalogue. I think we still need Lloyd Webber to exist because if it wasn't him, someone else was going to do it. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's he's like the pop music of musical theatre. Exactly. Yeah, he, he, he appeals to those who aren't super invested in musical theatre. All right. Well, that's the hard part done. Done. Woo! Easy. Too easy. So yeah. introductions out of the way. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we will talk... Musicals. All right. How to succeed in business without really trialing. Trying. trying. Not trialing. We're trying. It is a really long title. I understand if you get tired by the time you get to the end of it. I, I do get tired. Why is the title? Why didn't they just call it How to Succeed? Because the book's called How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. You're going to need to be a little bit closer to your mind. <laughs> well, <laughs> we often name shows different, though, to their source material. True. And the song, the song quotes How to Succeed. How to Succeed. How, how to, to succeed, succeed. How to Succeed. Yeah. The song doesn't say How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. You make really a good trying. point. Look, Look, you make a good point, but I'm not takes, angry about it. Hot takes right off the bat. <laughs> What can you tell us, Shirley? What can I tell you? Well, it was based on a book by Shepard Mead that was written in 52 and it's basically, I guess, Mad Men. It's um, about a, just a, a laugh at corporate life. And so um, written by the same guys that did Guys and Dolls, shortly after Guys and Dolls, they did How to Succeed, which was a big hit, lots of Tonys, lots of nominations for Tonys. And this is the one I love, even a Pulitzer. A Pulitzer. How very classy. Very classy. It is a pretty great satire. It is. It is. Mm. It's very clever. I I kind of forget it in between listening to it, but every time you listen to it, you're like, this is really tightly written comedy. Mm. Like every character has something to say about who they are and their interactions with other characters. It's really great. It is. The book is good. The book's really good. Um, uh, The book of the musical, Mm. I mean. I haven't read the original book. <laughs> well, why not, Miranda? You were well, on book reading duties this it actually week. Had a, oh, no. It had a reprint in 2011. What? It did. The original book is still being printed. Is the original book How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying? It's n- no, that, it's not a how-to. It is, it's it is still story. a satirical, it's story. yeah, okay. his story. Oh. So that book release was to coincide with the Daniel Radcliffe staging? No, Which is um, also 2011? That was 2012. Was it? I think so. Oh, okay. Well, Wikipedia is so, wrong. They said 2011. Wiki, you failed us. <laughs> I will but write them But it could have been. Could have been. That's a really cool thing. Yeah. So, but um, I didn't really, I wasn't a big fan of the Daniel Radcliffe. No, it doesn't have the same Not the same magic. punch. It, to yeah. me, it's sort of watching it on, you know, the, the few things you can watch on, on YouTube. To me, it sort of looked a bit lazy. It wasn't as tight as you know, Megan Mullally for me. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, yeah, always did well on Broadway. All its revivals, everything. So, Yeah. Well, it, it was the musical that swept the Tonys in its year. In 61? 62. Oh, sorry. So it opened in 61 to qualify for the 62 Tonys. Uh-huh. So best musical... Best Author, Best Performance by a Leading Actor, uh, Best Featured Actor, Best Direction, Best Producer, Best Conductor of a Musical 
or at best conductor it and musical director. Almost everything crushed but it. Didn't win nominated for, for composer. Yeah, yeah. Poor Frank. <laughs> it's uh yeah. So it's it's been so sixty one, then London in sixty three. 95 on Broadway, then a national tour in the US in 96 and then staged again in 2011. So it, it, it is one that sticks around. And I think the 2011 one did have a little bit to do with the uh, popularity of Mad Men. Mm. Yeah, because it is and very... And in fact, oh, funny note on that, that yeah. with um, Robert Morse who played um, Pierpont Finch in the original Broadway production and the movie, um, played Burt Cooper... In Mad Men, the the oh, C- CEO made, made yeah that's is made. And when Boot uh, Boot Cooper, when um, Bert died in Mad Men, they um, uh, well, there was a bit of a, a salute to his uh, role. They did a, put a musical number in for him to do. Yeah, um, that was a nod to How to Succeed. Oh, was wow. it Brotherhood of Man? Mm, oh, I'm not sure if it wasn't a take on that. Yeah. But there was this beautiful heaven light number in the middle of Mad Men. It was classic. So. <laughs> oh, I'll Sweet, see if I can yeah, find that look. and link yeah. to that in the show notes yeah. as well. Yeah. It's going to be a link happy episode. <laughs> well, we, we, try to, we try to do that. So the film came after the first staging. Mm. So it was book, Broadway, movie. Yeah. And then. So it was a movie music. Broadway, Broadway, Broadway. Mm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, so I, there is a television adaption in 75 um, that starred Alan Bursky, Susan Blanchard and Larry Haynes, directed by oh, yeah. Birch Bernkehoff. Household names right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just like, I, I don't know whether that was like a movie or a TV series, but it was production aired as a, 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 a comedy special. On in in seventy five, so yeah, curious. Yeah, maybe it's sort of the equivalent of the musicals live we get from NBC now. Maybe, yeah. Mm. All right. Well, shall we move on to uh, plot and characters? I think we should. Good plan. How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying has a lot of characters. As many as words in its title? More, actually. What? Um, many named characters. Mm, it does. And actually this is part of the, the great thing about uh, when we did it is that all, and as you were saying before, the book is written so well, all these characters that have bit parts could have just been bit parts that came and disappeared. I'm a plot point and then that was it. But they're also beautifully written and in the hands of an exceptional director such as Cheryl Lee. <laughs> um, you know, everyone was given an opportunity to really create something out of all of those characters. So and th- having, there's no there's no lost opportunities yeah. in that cast list. And having seen that production, everyone who had those supporting characters really chewed them up. Like you left going, I really liked that one <laughs> nom, nom, and then nom. that one, but then and you couldn't pick a favourite. Um, or could you? Particularly the Between female Between Julie cast. and I, pick right now. Pick, pick, pick. Do it, pick. <laughs> it's Miranda. I think, I look, think she was I brilliant. I can remember the directing notes to Miranda for that part was, 
just go away and create something really unique. <laughs> See, in the hands of, hands of a good director. <laughs> well, we always say that uh, 95% of directing is casting well. Yep. Um, but no, I think, because well, I did not know you at this time, Julie, and you I think not. I said to Miranda that Smitty was really good. Yeah, I'll take yeah. it. And I had high expectations for that because, again, the last time in my production, KB played it. Aww. Played Smitty. Aww. <laughs> Don't be sad because she's not here. I'm sitting in a seat and everything. It feels... Oh. You I'm are sitting in her seat. I miss you, KB. All right. So we have five main characters. J. Pierpont Finch. He's the young up-and-go-get-em ex-window washer. What does the J stand for? It's added right in the beginning, isn't it? So it, it's not actually in his name. No, he needs he needs a better name. So it's J. Pierpont Finch. Yeah, Pierpont Finch is still a pretty. It's a very cool name. Yeah, it's it's not Ponty. a. It's not a working class name. Uh, then we have Rosemary Pilkington, who is his secretary and love interest. J. B. Bigley, who is the boss of the Worldwide Wicket Company, is he CEO or just the boss? Is it ever is he ever, his title ever named? No, no. Just the big boss. He is the CEO. CEO. Yeah. Yep. So because then the board he retires and the board appoint. Oh, I'm ruining it. I'm ruining it. But <laughs> um, Finch becomes the CEO, doesn't he? No, he overshoots and goes straight to chairman of the board. Takes on the Wiggly. What was his name? I will get to that. Wally Wampa. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, so then we have <laughs> Bud Frump is Bigley's nephew by marriage. Well, yeah. nephew. nephew. Uh, and nemesis to Pierpont Finch. Um, self-proclaimed Self-proclaimed, nemesis. yeah. Like, Finch never really does much to him no. until the very end. Um, and Hedy LaRue, who is Bigley's mistress... And she does have some job at the company at some point. Well, she's a couple. He gets yeah. her a job as a secretary. Yes. Then we have Miss Jones, who is Bigley's secretary, uh, the <laughs> the voice of the book, uh, which should not be listed that far up in the character list. Uh, well, Bert, it's often it's it's often pre-recorded. By a cameo voice, right? Like, yeah. So it would appear up in the casting list on a lot of probably professional productions because right, yeah. they've got it's a cast. Bert Newton reading yeah. the book or whatever. or Anderson Cooper. <laughs> I was going for an Australian equivalent <laughs> of Anderson Cooper, and you came up with Bert Newton. <laughs> I see it. Well, I was going for you know someone who just gets cast in everything. Yeah. All right. I agree. It probably would be Bert Newton it if we did would be. this. The new Australian. I'd rather show. it be Rove McManus. But anyway, continue. we'll talk about that later. That's later. Uh, Bert Bratt, who is personnel manager, Mr. Twimble, the head of the mailroom, Smitty, who That's is Rosemary's best one. friend and a fellow secretary. Uh, Milton Gatch, which is head of plans and systems. Gatch, gatch, gatch. <laughs> Miss Crumholtz, the secretary of Mr. Gatch, and then J. Pierpont Finch. Yeah, she gets around. (laughs) (laughs) Benjamin Burton, Daniel Ovington, the prospective head of the advertising department until Finch reveals that he has graduated from Bigley's College Arch Rival and then he's retired. Uh, And then Mr. Wally Wampa, 
chairman of the Worldwide Wicket Company. Uh, so, the big, big, big boss. He's the chairman of the board. Chairman of the board. Mm. Yeah. There he is. All right. I don't know what that voice was, sorry. <laughs> now, there's a lot of business in this show. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm not going to go into all the business. I don't want, I'm not going to give it a blow by blow because I, that'll just be me talking for a long time. And as much as I like listening Wait. to my own voice. When you say business, do you mean business or business? I mean both. Okay. Business, business. It's wordplay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just give us a cliff notes then. I'll, I'll give you cliff notes. And everyone here is an expert on this show, so feel free to jump in. I only know what happens to Crumholtz. <laughs> <laughs> I literally can... spent the rest of the show is sitting in the dressing room making friendship bracelets. <laughs> uh, which I believe we've mentioned on a previous podcast. We, but, have. Yeah, we have. Okay, so JP upon Finch is a window washer and he reads the book How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trialing. Again, yeah. trialing. Pirate. Yeah. Pilot. Pirate. Pilot. <laughs> How now, brown cow? He reads the book. Move on. He reads the book and so he decides to work his way up the corporate ladder. And now he's got to find a Doing business. as little as possible. As little as possible. So that includes lying, mm-hmm. manipulating, mm-hmm. nepotism, mm-hmm. And that's it. What a stand-up bloke. Never quite gets to murder, like Gentleman's Guide. Yeah. But the shows have a lot of similarity, I'm finding. Now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's about that, like, just working through it step by step until you're at the top. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes to Worldwide Wickets and gets a job at... The, in the mailroom. This happens by basically talking to the right person at the right time, making the right impression, getting in the bottom floor. And doesn't he essentially just walk in and tell someone that he's already There's got no a skill job? involved, yes. He yeah. has no skills. Yeah. 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 I've already got a job. Yes. I work here. Mm. Yep. And in the mailroom. I'll get you in the mailroom. Yeah. Get back to the mailroom. I do wonder, though, how he ever got... Like pay. I was just thinking that very thing. Yeah. The practicalities you of this. You just walk you know? in and start working somewhere. Doesn't necessarily mean you. He doesn't way. stay there for very long, does he? He like, was chummy with. He was chummy with Mr. Bratt, who was HR. So who knows? <laughs> Maybe got on the payroll somehow. Maybe Smitty put him on the payroll. By and we are talking here. 1961 when you could sort of you know pass your way yeah. with that. There's no computers. There's yeah, just, no. You just go to the payroll and say, um, I didn't yeah, get yeah, my well, check this right. week. Yeah. Oh, here you go. Let's catch me if you can. Or I mean, yeah. you've you've seen me working in the mailroom. Like obviously, I deserve some money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Sorry, I'm sorry. I pointed out that. No, of course. And this is where he meets Rosemary. And they have an instant connection. Rosemary more so than J.P. Pond. Uh, because Rosemary is working there to find a husband. Is that, is that right? Well, she's working we there, think? but, yeah, the, the impression is that all the women well, ultimately yeah, you all have they the really want is... later on. Yeah, just uh, Cinderella. There to find... Well, it's oh, the Cinderella. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's, that's what you do at the time. And that's part of the satire, like... Instead of not giving the women a voice in this show, they did. They gave, which is odd for a show at the time, they gave the woman's part of the story. It's not a great story, but, you know, they could have not given the women any It's still pretty sad. I like it. And there's still two sides of it. So Mm -hmm. I I think 
it's very easy to see Rosemary as a very sort of, I was going to say two-dimensional, but it's kind of one-dimensional. Um, you know, the way women were portrayed yes. in media yeah. at the time. Um, but she does have a little more to her than that. But then you also see Smitty, who is very obviously got a lot more gumption and is probably a more realistic portrayal of a 1960s secretary. You know, working well, in a one that world, maybe so did not have the option of finding a young executive and getting married and moved <laughs> to the suburbs. Did you just call Smitty fat? No, I said... <laughs> Smitty does not have the option of a love interest in this show. I think she doesn't she have might it. Call her ugly. Just is she partnered with Frump at the end? No, no. Good. She's not partnered with anybody. <laughs> I think in another in another story they would. <laughs> Life imitating art. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay, so he's in the door in the mailroom, and he meets the head of the mailroom who's been there for twenty five years, and they sing a song about. If you keep your head down, agree with everything, be a yes man, you'll stay here forever. But that's not what he wants to do. He wants to climb the ladder. So when he is offered the head of the mailroom position over Frump, who has seniority, he very magnanimously turns it down and gives it to Frump, who agrees that he's going to be a company man until he realises that Jay Pierpont has moved on ahead of him and he's like, no, <laughs> that's, I was tricked, so now I have to fight him. Mummy! <laughs> in a very corporate way. <laughs> it's not, I don't even think he fights him in a corporate way. He fights him with his mother. Yes. He goes running to mummy. No, no, fight him in a corporate way, as in like not punch, punch. I'm but, with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Nepotism. Words, Nepotism words. all the way. Uh, so he's... Now a clerk, and he goes in on a Saturday and makes it look like he's been there overnight. So that when Bigley comes in to gets his get his golf clubs, they have a little interaction, and he's like, "You're working far too hard." And then this is when the university connection that didn't actually happen but <laughs> the lie comes out that they went to the grand old ivy and they sing a very rousing anthem about it and their old college song yep so finch is now promoted to his position at a head of plans and systems under gatch that's right yep. yes yep. gatch gatch uh all right where are we up to gatch gatch <laughs> We're up to Miranda's entrance. Ah, we're up to <laughs> Paris Original, Whoa. which is one of my favourite songs in this show. Uh, when the advertising department and head, Benjamin Burton Daniel Ovington, um, is having, they're having a, a welcome party. For the new head of advertising. For the new head of because advertising. Because the, the head of advertising position is notorious for... Uh, being a fairly constant changeover because the head of advertising gets blamed when everything goes wrong. wrong when advertising doesn't work. Yeah, because yeah. advertising is... And I seem to remember from research when we were doing the show that Ovington's full name was an actual name of an advertising firm on Madison Avenue. That's why he would have four names. Mm. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. So many names. <laughs> so... Uh, as part of this party, Rosemary buys a new dress to impress Finch, who will be there, and everyone else has 
been swindled by the same dress shop and <laughs> bought this Paris original. And so they're all match, which is, I don't know, from a lady's perspective, is it better that every single woman in the room is wearing the same dress or only two people are wearing the same dress? All in. I think if everybody is. All in and then like it's a, a joke. Yeah. yeah, it's funny though. It's actually but, a joke. Um, the... They were upset about it until the moment where Hedy LaRue appears in her version of it, which is far sexier. <laughs> and then it's like, well, hmm, common enemy. Yeah. And the girls aren't sort of angry at each other anymore. But, um, yeah, that, that whole situation has very little to do with the actual storyline yeah. of what's happening. It's... Yeah, um, it's often it feels like in the show some of the girls' business is really kind of like, and we needed a romantic storyline added into the show, so we'll just shove some girls in here and we'll shove some girls in there and then we'll give them something to do. But it also makes but a statement is, about yeah. what the women's goal is and what their relationship to the mm, men, because they're yeah. there as hostesses, yes. basically to escort the men around yeah. at the party. And it's their opportunity to meet the executive of their To dream. meet the executive and have the Cinderella yeah. story. And if you go a little deeper on that one, when you look at it, you've got... It's a cor- direct correlation to the the men's world, which is fight your way up the ladder and manipulate. And um, it's just a, the same story in the women. It's the same actions, the same manipulation, just for a different purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the story, you have that direct cor- correlation a between the two. Job title. Mm. They're after the man yeah. at a certain level. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I was just going to say the the book though the way the book is the book of the show is written makes it not feel that way. It's only when you're looking at the plot points that you kind of go, well, what is this other storyline doing in here? It's got nothing to do with the main storyline. But, um, yeah, those characters are written in such a full way that you accept all those sideline stories and, yeah. It doesn't feel like a distraction. It doesn't feel like a distraction, yeah. Yeah. But that that whole storyline was added in from the original book. Is that right? The women's line? yeah. I don't know. I haven't actually Rose read the original Mary book. and all of that business Can't imagine. Yeah. didn't exist in the original source material. So mm. it was that they thought, oh, well, we need to put but was a, there a, a romantic story in there. There might have been... Because we're about to get up where Frump tries to frame Finch kissing Hetty in Bigley's office. Yeah. Um, so he, he does... I'm sure there were women in the book, but yes, it's just yeah. that the Rosemary storyline and that the romantic link... All of that was added in. So I can't remember why Hetty wants to blackmail Finch into kissing her. Is it just... She doesn't actually... She doesn't doesn't want to blackmail him. She just wants to kiss him. So, yeah, that's all it is. It's... Because Wikipedia said blackmail and I'm like, I can't remember that. Bud's organising it, yeah. Good. Well, she does kiss him, but then he immediately realises... That he's actually in love with Rosemary, <laughs> not Hedy LaRue. <laughs> and it took kissing another girl and woman to, to make it work that out. Ain't that always the way? <laughs> oh, no. Well, there's at least one lesson. How many, how many girls does Zac Efron have to kiss before he realises he's in love with myself and KB? <laughs> <laughs> um, two more. On. Give it two more. <laughs> two more. Uh, so, Frump and Bigley walk into the office when... Finch embraces Rosemary, 
Ovington's forced to resign when Bigley learns that he is a graduate of uh, a different university and uh, a bitter rival. <laughs> and so Finch is now vice president in charge of advertising. Bum, which... bum, bum. Interval. Well, well, we've touched on it before, but the book says, this is a terrible thing to happen. You're going to die. In It paraphrases. I'm paraphrasing in the book. Um, <laughs> But Finch and, Finch and Rosemary declare their love and Bud Frump declares his vow of vengeance. End of Act 1. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Act 2. <laughs> uh, so Rosemary has been neglected by Finch. She decides to quit, but her fellow secretaries convince her to stay because they want that Cinderella story. They want to live vicariously through someone getting what they all kind of want. And again, it's one of my favourite songs of the show. I'm finding that the girls' stuff is actually more, most of the more charming parts of the show that I, that I like anyway. Um, so the book says that Finch, because he's head of advertising, needs a brilliant idea and the best idea is you take from other people. So, luckily, Bud Frump has uh, got a terrible idea. Uh, Treasure Hunt. So, (laughs) which he took to Bigley and Bigley had already refused it. So, that's why he told Pierpont. So, Pierpont would take it to Bigley and Bigley would refuse it again. Yeah. So, we think that Frump is going to win. Yeah, that's what the musical wants us to think. Sure, sure. Yeah. Why not? Right, why not? Give that a go. That's not what happens. It's, that's not what happens. That's not what happens. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Finch shares the idea with Rosemary, who tells him that uh, <laughs> she'll stay with him no matter what, which is a really hard song to listen to. I'm happy to keep his dinner warm. <laughs> reprise. Yeah, that's yeah. the reprise. That's yeah, the we, reprise. We got it earlier yeah. talking about. In the general, po- the, yeah. yeah, the possibility yeah. of the, the wife of an executive. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, Hetty tells Bigley that she's unhappy with uh, secretary and she's leaving for California. <gasps> Shocking! So Hetty is still with Bigley, of course. Uh, he begs her to stay and tells her that uh, he loves her, and she agrees to stay with a really <laughs> weird song. <laughs> I love that song. Uh, what's, what's it called? Um, love from a heart of gold. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like when they declare their love for each other, they're just kind of like, "Oh, you two deserve each other." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it is an executive and his mistress. Yes, it's exactly a, right. I don't think it's meant to feel like the romance story of the show. It's a comedic number. Yeah. And it's funny. Oh, absolutely! Usually, it is funny. Usually, Hetty Larue sings it quite badly, and so does he, and they just sing really badly <laughs> together, and. Everyone laughs. Ha, 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 ha. So this... <laughs> and then we get the another song, the washroom song, where Pierpont is giving himself a bit of a pep talk and all the executives are kind of talking behind It's actually back. a really cool scene. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah. It is a really cool scene. It's and like it's a really choreographed song. scene. Mm. Yes, yeah. It's really to fun to watch. So Finch presents his idea uh, to Bigley and that he will hide 5,000 shares of company stock... Um, in each of the ten offices around the country and give a television audience weekly cue- clues as to their whereabouts. 
Bigley initially doesn't like it, but he accepts the idea that uh, each clue will be given by the scantily dressed worldwide wicket treasure girl, none other than Miss Hedy LaRue. Which is her promotion. I'm with Which you is now. her promotion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so during the first television, the television show where they're going to give out the clues, Hedy's asked to swear on a Bible that she doesn't know the location of the prizes. However, because she has a very special relationship with Bigley, she, she does know. And so she accidentally reveals the locations to the entire television audience and then all the Wicked employees tear apart the offices looking for them. And the book tells Finch, in one of my favourite orations of the book, how to handle a disaster. <laughs> we suggest that your best bet, if you are the cause of the disaster, is to review the first chapter of this book, How to Apply for a Job. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the executives, including chairman of the board, Wally Wampa, are waiting in Bigley's office for Finch's resignation. Rosemary tells Finch that no matter what happens, she'll stand by him. <laughs> Again. Again. What a woman. <laughs> uh, and he's about to sign his letter of resignation uh, when Finch mentions he'll probably go back to washing windows, where Wampa is drawn to Finch because he too started out as a window washer and they both had a book. Wally's book was a book of betting records, so <laughs> he was a bit of a gangster. Um, but Finch basically spins it around so that he, he convinces Wally not to fire everyone because that's the obvious move, but instead <laughs> have some sympathy for them and let them keep their jobs and the... Finale number Brotherhood of Man, where everyone is spared except Frump, who's fired because he's Bigley's nephew, which Wampa didn't know about. And that's the end. So Bigley remains president. Wampa retires to travel the world with his new wife, Hetty. Finch becomes chairman of the board. Rosemary stands by his side and inadvertently inspires him to aspire for the presidency of the United States. Frump gets a job washing windows, swearing revenge against Finch. I mean, that's that's uh, the happy ending, I guess. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, take a break and we'll come back and talk about songs. Do it. Yes. Hey, Miranda. Yes. What can you tell us about the songs of how to succeed in business without really trying? Congratulations. See, I, got it. I got it. Well done. Well <laughs> done. time's the charm. Um, I can tell you a bit about the music. Uh, so the music is uh, music and lyrics by Frank Lesser, who did Guys and Dolls. It was actually um, a, about a decade earlier, Guys and Dolls, it was 1950. Um, and they're the two shows that he's most well known mm. for. He's got some other credits to his name, but um, they're the two big ones, they're most successful ones. And... Uh, the form of the songs in How to Succeed are actually very similar to Guys and Dolls. There's a lot of um, verse at the beginning and then moving into the regular sort of um, verse and chorus. Almost 32-bar songs, most of them, in that, that same sort of classic sort of feel. Anyway, the score itself is... Um, 
a pretty massive orchestration. So if you go back to shows from about the 1950s and some of the 60s stuff that was still in that style, um, they all had these massive orchestras, but this one was really big. So the... um, Orchestration is pretty heavy on percussion and winds. And my favourite thing is that the five reed players, who are all <laughs> um, multi-reeds, all play the kazoo. <laughs> Where? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> They've all got a kazoo part. Uh, do, is there like a kazoo orchestra at some point? I don't know which song no, it that's would be in. No, in. that's in the, the washroom scene. The kazoo? The kazoo oh, comes yes. out in the washroom yeah. scene. Yeah. There's a few interesting things. Um, it also has seven brass players in that in that orchestration, Ooh. which is a lot for a, a pit orchestra. That's just the right amount of brass for Zane. Whoa! <laughs> it's three trombones, three trumpets and a horn. Like, that's uh, It's a lot. It's a big sound. Um, I assume that the Guys and Dolls orchestration is fairly similar, that really heavy brass. They did of, have a lot of brass, yes. Yeah. Um, but this one also has the equivalent wins. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking about instruments. Um, so going through the songs, it has uh, my favourite thing, a very traditional overture, which is a selection of tunes from the show. Uh, which And then the first number we go into is How to Succeed. The, um, it's an interesting thing in this show that they it basically starts off with the lead character and he sings a song right at the start. So you get his I Want song. Right there. It's the first thing up. So it doesn't have a big um, opening number for the full company except that this turns into that. Yeah. So we do meet the rest of the company during the song but it really is driven by him. And that song basically says what the book is going to tell him to do, what he's going to accomplish during the show. Dun-da-da, dun-dun, bum. Here it is. Well, it's like an 11th hour number, but at 1 a.m. Right at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a really interesting way of framing the show. Not many shows tell you everything that's going to happen. They kind of like, this is the plan, and then they follow it through, and they go, here's what we did. (laughs) Then the, the tension and the complexity of the story comes out in it not quite following the plan. Yeah, yeah. Um, But anyway. Uh, the next number we hear is Happy to Keep His Dinner Warm. So this is a very sort of skipping, gentle, overtly feminine... Somewhere that's green. ...lovely housewife song. But yeah. very funny. It's a I, funny song. But yeah, it has this little sort of lilt in the lyrics that reminds you that it isn't just that. that I mean, there's, that's the superficial layer of what's happening. Every female song in this show should be performed sarcastically. Like <laughs> yes, it, yes. I feel like it's not even... It, it's definitely written that way. Like, it's not an overtly Certainly chauvinist. the rest of yeah. the characters yeah. are... Rosemary is, a, is the, that the layer is a little thinner, I think. I think. Yeah. That yeah. she's sort of the straight woman who really does want and desire those things. It's not that simple. That's not all she wants and desires, but she sells herself <laughs> as that. Yeah. To be... I think maybe... I guess you're right in saying that that layer's a little thinner with her because she's willing to put up with a lot more than, say, yes. a Smitty, Smitty. is... Yeah. Go- <laughs> yeah. Smitty is happy to keep nobody's dinner warm except maybe her own. Oh, Smitty's eaten both dinners. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that, that number comes, has a few reprises regularly. So, um, 
it's sort of Rosemary's go-to. It's Rosemary's theme, I guess you would say. Yes. But, but it's the, also the only... It's it's her half of the the love sto- story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we get the... Uh, out of the story for no reason other than Fosse would like to do a great number with syncopation <laughs> and rhythm <laughs> and percussion, company number, coffee break. If Fosse wants it, give it to him. Well, Fosse uh, choreographed <laughs> the original production and I am certain that he had a fair bit to do with some of the building up of particularly the rhythmic work in um, Coffee Break and the washroom sequence because they feel very Fosse. fosse. Mm. They sound Fosse. They sound like they belong. Yeah. That bam, bam, yeah. bam, Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then uh, it's followed by The Company Way, which is Finch and Twimble in the mail room, and then that is picked up by the whole company, so it turns into a big company number. I'm surprised, I was surprised when I first listened to this, that this song wasn't more present in the rest of... Well, it does reappear. It, yeah. In fact, the finale of act, the finale isn't Brotherhood of Man. That's the last song before yes, the finale, yeah. and then the finale is a reprise of Company Way. Um, it musically pops up in a few other things, mm. but yeah, the show could have been called Company the Way. Company Way, yeah, very easily because it has a quite a message about the rest of the show. But that that is a bit of a rousing sort of. Yeah. The false propaganda. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're really happy, don't listen to what we're singing about. We're going nowhere fast and we're happy about it. Um, that's followed by a secretary is not a toy, uh, which is a company number which comes in after Hedy LaRue's number um, <laughs> entrance. She has her own entrance music, which is basically a striptease. Yes. Um, very brassy. Followed by a secretary is not a toy. When we talk about how secretaries aren't just to be played with and they're there to do a job, apparently. <clears throat> but it's more about that particular secretary is not to be played with. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, then we we get... Oh, been a long day. Smitty uh, basically pushing Finch and Rosemary together and uh, helping start their sentences <laughs> in the hope that they will finish them together, um, which is a really interestingly written trio. Mm. If anybody's looking for trio repertoire, this is a really good one to pick up. Um, I think it works fairly well out of context of the show too. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. And it's a really... It's not a dynamic that you see in a musical very often. No. Where you've got no. someone in between two characters trying to... Push them push together. The third wheel. The yeah. third wheel yeah. is usually trying to push one or the other yeah. apart. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Uh, Grand Old Ivy is the old college song. This is a, a comedy number. The comedy is in the way it's played, not necessarily in the lyrics of the yeah. song or anything. Um, so it's just You're getting your lead characters to generic. be ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, part of the the fun of it is that Finch is trying to sing along, but he's never heard the song before, <laughs> so he's trying to pretend that he knows it kind of thing. Um, that's followed by Paris Original and the whole sequence at the the party. 
So Parents of Original actually is an interesting musical mix. The first section starts off with Rosemary singing and it has this real sort of hopeful, sophisticated build-up of, I, you know, it has a feel of I'm about to become a woman and get what I want and everything's going to go beautifully. And then we actually move into where she gets the dress and she arrives at the party and so does everybody else. And as more and more characters are added to it, there's more vocals, the instrumentation gets brassier, it gets a little bit faster usually. Yeah. Um, so it becomes this like angry, brassy kind of... Aah! And then Hedy LaRue enters and the whole thing sort of explodes <laughs> off. Um, and then that goes into uh, the general sort of just party dancing music. The end of the act is Finch's love song. This is the Maria. (laughs) Maria. I just met a girl named Maria. Um, He didn't just meet her, but he did just realise that he fell in love with her. By Um, kissing someone else. Rosemary. And he just repeats the name over and over and over and over again. And again and again and again. So that's the end of Act One. Dun, 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 dun. We're a very, very small Act Two. <laughs> tiny. Uh, act Two is pretty tiny. It starts with a traditional on-track, which uh, again has a bit of this and a bit of that in it. Just a little bit. Just a little bit of this <laughs> and that, and that, that and this and that. Um, followed by Cinderella, darling. So this is all of the women led by Smitty, basically talking to. Um, oh, my God. Rosemary. Rosemary. Sorry, we just said her name so many times and I've forgotten already. <laughs> uh, talking to Rosemary and telling her, don't quit the job, don't leave Finch, give him another chance, this is your fairy tale. Um, and it's written kind of interestingly and the lyrics are so painful to sing as a modern woman. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, one of my favourites is repeated often in the chorus, Cinderella, don't turn down the prince. Um, So they're trying to give us some good advice, which is great. I actually really like um, the way all the girls are singing, we were raised on you, darling. So we were raised on that Cinderella story. Yeah. Let's go. We want to see this. Yes. Let it happen. And like you said before, it's about that vicarious, living vicariously through the one girl in your group that's going to get her Cinderella story, so don't F it up. And it shows a little bit of each of those girls, like a second of each of those those girls' thoughts as well because they all suggest places where they think they're perfect, like nuclear family would be. Yes. There's an interesting, musically there's an interesting bit in the middle of the song where you sort of see or hear different versions of the girls' vision for themselves sort of thing um, that... Pops up in the middle. Anyway, um, interestingly, or not, if you don't really care, the 1995 revival replaced that song with a reprise of something else. How dare it's they? It's How to Succeed, a reprise. How, how dare they? they? Yeah. I, I uh-uh. don't understand. Uh-uh. No, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. I don't like, know why you cut it. Out. I don't know why you would cut it out. Like I, that. I don't, I don't understand. If you cut that out, where does that? Because there's a story change happens in that song yeah. of Rosemary yeah. coming back to, yeah, I'll give Finch another chance. And if you cut out that song, where do you fit that moment in? Yeah. I don't know. Weird. Um, some recordings turn that number into a tap number. Hmm, I've noticed that. Just going to throw that out there. Yes. I don't understand it, but I guess it's a thing. 
Um, love from a heart of gold. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is the love number between uh, the boss and his mistress. It's meant to be comedic. It's and it is comedic. Yeah, it's very. <laughs> it's kind of like, funny. oh, you are two characters that I can't possibly bring myself to like. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't. But you kind of do by the end of the song. Yeah, yeah. And not because what they're saying is sincere and heartfelt and beautifully sung, but because. Yeah, like you said, they deserve each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're obviously meant to be in their own special way. Uh, the executive washroom, which leads into Finch's I Believe in You. This is another fossy scene to music. There's a lot of um, use of rhythm and percussion. Uh, they have some repetitive lyrics. The guys all end up in the washroom saying, got to stop that man, they, meaning they've got to stop Finch from being on this yeah. this roll to the top that he's just rolling over all of them and um, and I think this is the counterpart to how to succeed like it's in the position where the 11th hour number would usually be but I think that's this is more of an I want well then Finch gets yeah. his I sort want of in 11th the hour um, yeah. in I Believe in You which is him singing to himself looking yeah. in a mirror <laughs> going and it, it's written a lot like a love song but it's also got that kind of you go for it, guy. It's pep talk. He's, yeah, pep talking himself in the mirror. Like, in the mirror. <laughs> um, <laughs> Are we bitter about that? I don't know. I feel weird about it. Uh, Jay Pierpont, he's just, he's, mm, he's, it's his affirmations. He's doing his Tony Robbins. He's all That's right. right. He definitely is, and I don't like Tony Robbins either. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't be dating him. <laughs> the Pirate Dance is a big brassy swing number. It's an instrumental based on uh, the Paris original tune, and that is the uh, introduction to the TV studio set where they're doing the um, competition announcement. Man, everything's awkwardly quiet when it go, everything goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, we ran out of music. We were not expecting this. Um, then there's a, quite a chunk of the show with no music. Yeah. And it's probably deliberate because things are not going well. This is the part where everything's sort of imploding on itself. Nobody mm. feels like bursting into song and that's fair enough. Um, because what this show doesn't have is an I'm sad, it's all gone wrong song. Yeah doesn't exist in this score. And um, I think it's difficult to hate this show because of that. There's no point in it where you go, oh, everything's sad. Also, you don't have a villain song in this show. No. Because Frump is, again, like secondary even to secondary characters. He's yeah. just kind of like And he's someone... not really a villain. He's, he... he does try to frame... Finch a couple times. Yeah, but yeah. he's... Yeah, yeah, anyway. He's the closest thing you get. Um, and then we go into the big revival of positivity in the show, The Brotherhood of Man. This is the male chorus led by um, Finch and also featuring Miss Jones as the only female on stage <laughs> and in this number. This, to me, feels like the sit-down-you-rock-in-the-boat of, yeah. of this show. Um, it has a very similar... T- feel to that song in Guys and Dolls and um, I, I don't think that's an accident. It appears at about the same point in the show and serves pretty much the same purpose. Yeah. Everyone um, forget about what's happened. We're all happy now. Everybody <laughs> is a friend and we're all in the brotherhood <laughs> of man. Uh, and it leads into the finale which as we said is a reprise of the company way. All sing. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the music. Yeah. So, if each of you had to pick a favourite? 
Like I, I've said a couple of my favourites during the synopsis. Like, but you've all been in the show. You've done the show. Um, fans of the show. I have done the show. I I like Brotherhood of Man. I always enjoyed standing side so because I enter right at the end of the song. <laughs> so I always enjoyed standing in the wing watching that whole number. Mm. Yeah, and um, that was partly because the feel of that number is such a positive, Build, energetic yeah. build-up and everyone needs it at that point of the show. It's the run into the, the wrap it all up and everyone's happy. So it, it gives you a really good sort of like, yeah, let's get to the end kind of vibe. But also an entire stage of men dancing <laughs> was funny in its own special way. <laughs> I'm sure they were all very good... They they did did an amazing job and we were lucky to have a choreographer who was working movement within what they were capable of but still made the movement interesting. So it wasn't... It wasn't an entire song of step, click, step, click, step, click, step, click. It had movement and energy and vigour. It just was still... An entire stage full of, <laughs> yeah. you know, mostly sort of middle-aged men dancing, yeah. which you don't see very often regardless of the quality. That's right. You just don't see it very often. So it, it was always nice to see. It was one so, of those numbers where you felt like cheering at the end. Yes, yes. of course. Yeah. And yeah. the audience get up and always just, did. Yeah. If any number in this show really feels like it could have three encores, it would be that number. So what about you, Julie? Is that your favourite? No, not my favourite. Um, my favourite, and I think it's from a um, notation perspective, was actually Cinderella Darling. How that song starts is odd. How often does it happen that a secretary's bones wants to marry? Like, it's just odd. That's odd. Interesting. Who writes that? That's yeah. odd. Frank does. Yeah. That's who writes it. Good yeah, old Frank. Frank. Oh, mate, Frank. Yeah. But, yeah, I liked it from a notation perspective. I was like, oh, this yeah. is different. This is not your standard, like, yeah, I don't know. Have a little something-something. Plus, it's a really fun song. What about you, Shirley? I think Brotherhood of Man definitely for the, you know, the same reasons of the emotion behind it and what it did. And I, I, I did capture a little bit of side stage film on the very final performance. <laughs> don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, but the other one for me is the washroom scene. But, mm. I, you know, I, I, yeah. it's really hard to choose because so many, all, all these pieces of music are very unique within themselves. There's nothing that sort of, you know, whitewashes yeah. that sort of is this blur. Is, it's is definitely not one of those shows where you listen to the first three songs and then You've heard it all. well, yeah. all the songs in the show sound the same. Every song in this show sounds different. The characters all have their own feel and their own sort of um, uh, words, 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 words. Almost their own, words. like, chords and chordal structure and... It's like they all have their own thing. Yeah. Kind of. And it's, it, that's the whole thing for me about this show was that every single thing to me felt deliberate. Mm. There wasn't anything that, oh, we'll just throw it in. Everything from the music to the, the book. Break? Even Coffee Break. No, just... We'll just throw it in. Everything. Uh, <laughs> the biggest we'll just throw it in song I in know. any show ever. <laughs> but if you look at the, within the elements, every single one, it's, it's tight and sharp and... Um, and deliberate. I, but and even, even Coffee Break, so you've come from How to Succeed and I'll Keep His Dinner Warm. Coffee Break showing you the other side of that How to Succeed is like what it's like in the actual company. Just drudgery, hanging out, fluorescent lights, hard seats, long hours, 
coffee. Or no coffee. Or no coffee, coffee, as the case may be. Um, But also, I'm not one to skip many songs in musicals, Mm -hmm. unlike some people at the table, not naming any names. I'm not a notorious skipper. I wasn't wasn't indicating you, Miranda. I thought it was Julie you were talking about. (laughs) I don't skip songs. I just flat out stop listening. (laughs) But not a skippable song in this this show. No. All of them are, as you said, very unique, very entertaining in their own rights. I would skip the pirate dance. I would. I don't need to listen to that. I like the arrangement of the the Paris original tune with all that extra brass and it's a swing number and there's no swing in the rest of the show. I'll give you that. So I enjoy that a lot. <laughs> but I'd, you're not a I'd skipper. Probably, so <laughs> if I was going to be a skipper, I would probably skip Grand Old Ivy. But I think that's not that I don't appreciate where it sits in the show. I think the comedy of it is in the presentation and the in situation. In the staging and the performance. So not if in you're the... just listening to the music, that number's going to feel a bit... Bland. Bland. All right, well, shall we take a break? Come back, talk cast? Yeah, yes. do it. Okay, Julie, who has been in this? Let's do it. Uh, original 1961 Broadway, Al Ponty. J. Pierpont Finch was Robert Morse, and a.k.a. He also did the movie, is that correct? He also did the movie, yeah. a.k.a. Crazy Eyes. He's got some crazy eyes. Google Robert Morse, how to succeed. Go to images, crazy eyes. All right, well, I might are, link are that, I might there? not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just put, we'll pop a photo up on Facebook. Rosemary Pilkington was Bonnie Scott, Bud Frump, Charles Nelson Riley. J.B. Bigley, Roddy Valley, and he was also J.B. Bigley in the movie as well. Smitty is Claudette Sutherland, Hedy LaRue, Virginia Martin, Miss Jones, Ruth Cobart, Bert Bratt, Paul Reed, Mr. Twimble, and is Mr. Twimble double cast? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. So Mr. Twimble and... Womble. Womble. Twimble Wompa. and Womble. Wally Womble. 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 <laughs> Wimble, Womble, Twimble, Twimble. I haven't watched the Wombles So the double years. cast. <laughs> We're not going to start. Uh, Sammy Smith. Because Twimble is just in the first part of the first he's act. He's the mailroom room. And Womble is he? only in the second part of yeah. the second act. So he still does a lot of sitting around in the middle. And he didn't make friendship bracelets with us. No. <laughs> God. <laughs> Mad about it. And our book voice was Carl Princey, who is uncredited, apparently. He didn't even get in the program. That's oh, sad. No. What a what a user Broadway is. So was he... Princey, who was the voice of the book, um, his brother was actually a United States Supreme Court judge. As you do. It's yeah. a random fact. Your brother's a judge, you're an uncredited voice. I was just just going to say, like, I was just reading his Wikipedia <laughs> article, and the first fact is, like, his brother is a is a judge, and he also acted in some things. <laughs> <laughs> what a combination! So the only crossovers between the movie and the original Broadway are J. Pierpont Finch, Robert Morse, your J. B. Bigley, as well as your Miss Jones. The rest they went <laughs> scrap you guys. Oh, sorry, Sammy Smith. As well. But, the yeah, scrap you guys. We're getting new peeps. Um, so, Rosemary Pilkington was played by Michelle Lee. Bud Frump by Anthony Tegay. Tegay. I don't know. <laughs> it's a lovely noise, whatever that was. It's, so. 
I love it when Julie's on cast. (laughs) I'm on cast all the time. Hedy LaRue is Maureen Arthur and Burt Bratt is John Mayles. Oh, they even list Crumholtz here. Carol well, Worthington. It is the most important character it in the is. show. It, it, it actually is. There's some excellent telephone conversation out of Miss Crumholtz. Our 1995 Broadway revival. This is the good one. This oh. is the great cast. Oh, it's Close so good. Cast. It's so good. Um, Ponty is played by Matthew Broderick. Amazing. And this one makes my heart sing and then sing some more and then die, renew itself and sing again. <laughs> Rosemary Pilkington is played by Megan Mullally. Yes. Which is just beautiful. You may know her from such things as this because it's amazing. <laughs> uh, but she also, More likely Will More and likely Grace. she plays Parks Karen on Will and Grace. Uh, Parks and Rec is Tammy Two. Children's Hospital. There yeah. you go. The things you learn. Uh, Bud Frump is played. Oh no, Bud Frump is played by Jeff Blumenkrantz. I can say that one. It's German. JB Bigley is Ron Carroll. Smitty is Victoria Clark. Hedy Larue, Luba Mason. Miss Jones, Lilias, Lilias, Lilias. I believe Lilias <laughs> White. But Brat Jonathan Freeman, Mr. Twimble is Jerry Vici, and the book voice is by Walter Cronkite. Walter do, Cronkite? Do you want to play that game again? How does Julie know Walter Cronkite? How does Julie know, How does Julie Walter, know Walter Cronkite? Walter Cronkite? He's, he's a very famous news broadcaster. He's an anchorman on CBS. Yes. That's what I would guess, but I'm, I feel I'm like I feel Let like I know the up. name. Maybe the name Walter is said in a lot of things. Best known as Anchorman for the CBS Evening News. There you go. For 19 years. Was he the guy that made the announcement when JFK was shot? Walter Cronkite. Walter From 62 to 81, so it'd be in the yeah. that right time. So if we then move on to our national tour, I'm gonna I'm gonna again, classic Julie, pull out the big hitters. Of this, our, brud, our Bud Frump was played by Roger Bart. We love Roger we Bart. Love Roger <laughs> Bart. Friend of the show, Roger Bart. Friend of the show, Roger Bart. Roger, whenever you want to come on, please do. I believe he's a Patreon just, already. Just, just tweet us. <laughs> um, and uh, again, for, for those who might have missed that episode, Roger Bart, who we talked about a lot during. The producers, producers episodes yeah. because he w- has played every role in that show in every production of that show ever. Yes. Yes. I kind of see him as a When did he front, find time to do, the pro- do this? Between, do anything else? In between the producers. 96. He had a bit of time. Okay. A bit of time, obviously. Um, and then let's – oh, sorry, Walter Cronkite was also the book voice for the US tour. But, again, that was recorded. So recorded. So touring yeah. with them. Um, 2011 Broadway revival. Yeah, I mean – it wasn't. It's not terrible. It is to listen to. Look, you oh, can I make like that. It. I like it. I'm judgment. sorry. Sorry, everyone. I, I like I it. I enjoy it as Ponty well. Ponty as is Daniel Radcliffe, which is the only issue I have. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say that's the only vocal issue I have. It's Daniel Radcliffe. There's um, there's footage of that they did Brotherhood of Man on the, at the Tonys. Yes. I assume it was, yes. and I really enjoy that whole presentation. Hmm. Have it in your ears at the gym and then get back to me. <laughs> Why okay. do you listen to at the gym? 
Oh, it's it's a it's brotherhood a of mixed, man revs you up. It's a mixed bag. No, I just listened to the whole soundtrack to refamiliarize myself at the gym. Lifting weights. Yeah. No, I'm running, <laughs> running, running away. <laughs> Run away. It's a really awkward thing to do. Listen to a full soundtrack and try and run because like, and let's slow it right down for <laughs> Rosemary. <laughs> it's my breather. Uh, Rosemary Pilkington in the revival is Rose Hemingway, Bud Frump, Christopher Hankey or Hank, JB Bigley, John Larroquette. Yep, yeah. yeah, that's the one. Ah, another good friend of the show. Uh, Smitty was played by Mary Faber. Which was hi Mary, hi Mary, original Kate Monster, Hedy Larue, Tammy Blanchard, Miss Jones, Ellen Harvey, Bert Bratt, Michael Park, Mister Twimble, Robert Bartlett, and the book voice, which I thoroughly enjoy. I think this is a great book voice, Anderson Cooper. Yes, oh, yes. he's the new Walter Cronkite, I'll isn't take he? It. He is very true. Um, I also have a nineteen ninety three. Australian cast. Oh, good Lord. Mm, let me find it again. Here it is. Our J. Pierpont Finch was Tom Berlinson. Don't mind. I'll deal with it. <laughs> Our Rose I'm glad Mary. you can deal with it because it happened a long time ago. There's not much you can do about it now. Yeah, it was three. <laughs> um, Rosemary was Georgie Parker. Classic. Oh, Georgie. Mm, mm. Uh, where is it? Sorry, they're all out of order. It's doing my head in. JB Bigley was Noel Ferrier. Thank you, Ferrier. Noel Ferrier. I can't do last names. Smitty, Robin, Arthur, Miss Jones. This is beautiful, guys. June Bronhill. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, our, uh, Mr. Gatch, John Gregg, Mr. Twimble, Johnny Lockwood. It's a lot of Johns in this country. It is, but is it's Australia. Is in Australia in the 90s named John? John. Yeah. Yeah. It was a rule. Okay. Made Unspoken. In... <laughs> yeah. Um, Hedy LaRue's Jackie Love, uh, Bud Frump, Bruce Spencer, and Mr. Bratt, Garth Welch. All right. Well, that's who... That's a lot of names. Has been in so it. so many names. Right? Ugh. Let's take a break. left? No. Come back. Talk about who should be in it. More names? Yeah. A little oh. more. Who has strong opinions on who would be dream cast? Well, I think the most fun role to cast in this show is Hedy LaRue. Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I want to see... Um, Christina Hendricks. Okay. Oh, yeah. Hedy. Same, same. Yeah. That, would be, that would be really good. Or the original, just Marilyn Monroe. We might have trouble getting... getting well, it's not very realistic <laughs> right now, but... You might have availability Could you issues. picture it? If this... Actually, if the whole thing was, was... Could very easily be cast with any one of those sort of 30s, 40s... Bombshells. Yeah. Um, but no, any one of those full movies... Like, just take yeah. the cast of, <laughs> you know, put Gene Kelly in as Pierpont Finch and just recreate the whole show with that slightly earlier feel. Mm. I think it would actually be really cute. But anyway, I've gone completely off track. I would cast really like in? to see uh, Amy Poehler 
as Smitty. I don't know if she can sing, <laughs> oh, yeah. but I think she would be really funny. Uh, I'm sure she could have a crack at singing. Yeah. yeah. So if you put Amy Poehler and Tina Fey and Rosemary and Smitty? Yeah. yeah, I think, Ooh. again, that but would be... But where would you put John Hamm? Then John Hamm has around. to be in it somewhere. <laughs> I want John Hamm in John it John Hamm is... Bigley. Or Brat. He's very funny. I guess. He is. Yeah. That's right. And Bigley is, I think, is underrated as a comedic role. Like, oh. if, you, if you put the right person in it, it can be hilarious. Put him in as Frump. Because he looks Bud Trump. So See, that's what I thought. Bud yeah. Trump, he Put could just ham that up. Ham that up. Uh, <laughs> Zane loves puns. Dad joke. Number Send one. us your best puns. Yeah. Um, anyone else? I think um, for that, for um, Hedy LaRue, I would like to see Megan Hillity. Hilty. Same, same, but different name. <laughs> yep. Hilty is the real one, though, so we'll go with that. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I would like to see her. As. Hetty. As Hetty. Right. Oh, any of the ladies, but Hetty. I think she could, I, again, I think she could also play Rosemary. Hmm. Yeah. I think she's more mm. of an age-appropriate Hetty to yes. whoever the yeah. Bigley is. Yeah, that is a bit of an issue. But yeah. Hetty's supposed to be really young and he's supposed to, like... It's, it's, it's yeah, it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's a thin line. You, you don't actually want it to yeah. feel gross. Yeah. Um, I would like to see in other roles. I don't know who. You know who my Bigley would be? Who's your Bigley? John Lithgow. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I like to put him in most things, but I think John Lithgow is your Zach Efron. <laughs> I think I, I, th- I think Jeffrey Rush is my. Oh Zac yes, Efron. sorry, yes, of course. Or my or Nathan Lane. <laughs> I also put him in everything, but I think John Lithgow play can perfectly play that big boss. That's also. So earnestly ridiculous. I think that he really fits that well. I would like to see Martin Short as um, Twimble slash Wampa. Yeah, I can yep, see that. That would work for me. Yeah. Is that him? Or Billy Crystal. Or Billy Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then what would happen to Miss Jones if you stuck Patty Lapone in there? Oh, God, oh, what would yeah. happen to Miss Jones? <laughs> It's that the Miss Jones show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, that it did occur to me as well, Patty, in that role. But I changes at it the completely. same time. I could never actually picture her doing it unless it was rewritten so that she was the, the star. star. Of the show. Like, <laughs> Somehow she takes on this motherly role to Rosemary and becomes now, takes over Smitty's role. <laughs> yeah, she Being could play both. Terribly predictable, and we're doing the male female. What if you flip this on its head? I mean, right. I would love to sing Brotherhood of Man. What yep, if okay, this was sure. male, female, flip it around? I okay. have that would be a brilliant for exactly show. this. <laughs> I have the perfect female frump. Yes. yes. Rebel Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is one role that she could really she do well. very <laughs> yep. well suited That kind too. of weaselly, unlikable. Yeah. yeah. So then villain. Rosemary um, could be someone like... Zach Efron <laughs> and uh, Jack Black as Frump. Jack Black yeah. as oh, in a real situation, Jack Black as Frump. Oh no, Jack Black as Smitty. Sorry. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, Smitty. Yes, yeah, yes yeah, Queen. Yeah. I like that. Mm. And John Hamm as Miss Jones. <gasps> oh, oh yes. I love his cast so much. See, we've done we've done the normal version. We should yes. do it again and do just it again. Flip, it flip it around. And so Bigley would be Patty. 
Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. See, she's that works better. Yeah, that's yeah. better. Yeah. 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 Oh, but who's her heady? Mm. Oh no! See, that is Zac Efron. Perfect. Can have you shot bit... off the whole <laughs> time? <laughs> and so Rosemary would be Neil Patrick Harris. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. What if you put yeah, Neil Patrick Harris and Patty Lapone together, though? Imagine Ooh. that. Oh, that's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> but well, they've it, done it. Is it a beautiful they've design? They've done it. What are they in doing? In company. Oh, in company. No, in um, Sweeney. Oh, yeah, that's true. Concert version yeah. of Sweeney. Wow. Neil Patrick Harris played Toby. Immediately to going now. Mind Mrs. Wow. Lovett. <laughs> All right. We should move on before I... anyone else's brain explodes. <laughs> okay, stop your brains exploding. We'll come back and we'll talk about... Top five lists. All right, so what top five lists will how to succeed in business without really trying belong on? Um, I would put it in the top five musicals based on a novel. That's a lot. I know. Pimpernel, Jekyll. Mm, nah, ugh, gross. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, I would big one. Top five satirical musicals. There's so many. Mm, I'm There's really so many, but I think this, this one, is this all. I think this I'm is really pretty close to the top. Um, top five musicals for coffee lovers. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a whole heap of joke ones. <laughs> top five instructional musicals. <laughs> top five. Uh, musicals for character roles. Yes. Yeah. Because when we were talking about casting just then, we weren't talking about the leads. We were talking about the yeah. interesting the fun characters. <laughs> the fun characters. <laughs> Which is close to one of my top fives. This is um, top five musicals that Miranda can take a bit part and really work it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Any others? Top five musicals set in an office. What about uh, top five? Uh, well, actually, I was going to say office, but top five musicals of the sixties. Yep, I'll take it. Yeah, it yeah, it, it deserved the Tonys for that year. Can I just tell you what it was up against? It was up against Carnival exclamation mark, Milk and Honey, and No Strings. Yeah, all well, great shows. That I have really they're all the my favorite musicals. Yep. <laughs> so. But I think it's definitely one of the better musicals that comes out of the 60s. Um, can we go top five featuring a pirate dance? Okay. Ooh, pirates. What's its competition then? <laughs> pirates pirates and dance. dance. <laughs> uh, anything else? Mm, um, um, top you can just say no. Top five Cinderella stories. I don't know. I'm reaching. Right. I don't no. Think it's a Cinderella no. story. Um, top five musicals directed by Shirley Second. <laughs> musicals directed by Shirley. Putting it in there. Well, what's 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 that top five list? Uh, Shirley's yeah, here. Shirley, what's that top no, five don't list? make me say it because it includes a Lloyd Webber. <laughs> do it, do it. Which one? Which is it Cats? No, it was Phantom. <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's okay because Phantom doesn't exist anymore, so it doesn't have to be on your list. <laughs> <laughs> Just drops off the end. It, it does. We've deleted it. Deleted I deleted it. it. Okay. Shirley well, deleted it. We'll, we'll take a break. We'll come back with the titular question What lessons has this musical taught us? <laughs> titular. 
So I guess the first answer to this question mm, is... It's obvious. It teaches us how to succeed in business without really trying. How to apply Does for a it job. Though? Does it though? Well, he doesn't really try and he becomes chairman of the board and future president of the United States of America. I don't know how much of that has got to do with the book. Well, the book did tell him that it's not so much about the work, it's not right. about trying hard, it's about who you know yeah. and manipulating the situations to your advantage. Okay, so that's what we learned. Uh, yeah. Okay, the good. way to get to the top is manipulation, lying and nepotism and any cool. combination of those three. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, I also learned that a secretary is apparently not a toy. Secretary yes. is not a toy. Yeah. Also, dressmakers mm. are super... Untrustworthy. Yeah, I, l- I learn about the early days of mass production. <laughs> <laughs> but we never know what Worldwide Wicked Company makes. Do you realise that? What I does Worldwide Wicked, 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 wicked Company make? Wick, what's a wicket? Yeah. Which kind of wicket? What is uh, a wicket? Cricket wicket? Is it a cricket no, wicket? Not. I don't America, know. they don't play cricket. No. Maybe. A, a wicket <laughs> That's why they're so successful. is actually slang for a doodad. That's it, right. it literally means nothing. nothing. It's, it's nothing. I would love it to be the worldwide doodat company, even though that's not good alliteration. <laughs> yeah. I'll then you don't it. get the WWW that's going to fall off the set every night. No, you get WWDD. You know, I see that every time I walk into my office, I, you know, the, I take the big, <laughs> the, one of the big signs over the elevators, the mirrored letters, Worldwide Wicked Company. I couldn't bear to see it taken down, so I took one home. <laughs> so massive wall in my office. So Cheryl Lee learned how to steal things from the set of your production. Yes. No, it's, um, it's how to souvenir. Souvenir. I did I mean, it's yes. a bit hard to walk out the door with. You know, well, what else are I going to use it for, really? <laughs> That's exactly right. They were just going to destroy That's it. That's right. You know? If you um, design it, you get to keep I it. I learned <laughs> how to make friendship bracelets. Oh, my goodness. Didn't we just? <laughs> so many in so different, many different varieties. And we got these little – it was actually a foam uh, disc that you – wind the thing or the so what, string it, what it actually was was a gag gift given to me by the the girl that played rosemary so sarah gave me this gift as because we were best friends then it's rosemary and smitty Aww. we were best friends so she gave me a friendship bracelet making kit little Here, did she make know your own friendship yeah <laughs> jokes on her because it was <laughs> it was smitty and crumolts making them the whole time <laughs> well, she was busy she was like on stage She's all the time being in love and stuff yeah. while we were just bitterly making friendship well, if we're talking about other. lessons that we learned by being in the show i learned exactly how awkward it can be when there is nothing happening on stage and everyone is looking at you to make something happen hey that's the second time you've experienced yes, that. Yes, we've. Yeah, I the heard that. Spotlight. No, spotlight. no, no. Something was happening on stage, <laughs> and they shouldn't be looking at me. Right. When yeah. I'm the TV presenter, and everything's gone wrong, and I'm just smiling at the audience, and everyone's waiting for me to break the awkward silence, that is terrifying. terrifying. Should have put your improv skills to work. What did you do? What did you make up? Well, there was lines oh, to go on. They just weren't his. But it was just you. Just needed an extended period of awkwardness and wait for the audience to start laughing and oh then God. you went on. Yes. All right. Um, I learnt about the Brotherhood of Man, which I think was meant to be a secret, but now I know, so... Yeah. They kept singing about it a lot. I know. Not they weren't quiet about it. No. no. I think I learned that a well-written satire is pretty much timeless. Like, Even when it's based very in its time. Yeah. But even still, like, particularly now with all the sexual harassment stories coming out, like, this musical is quite important. Well, I wouldn't say important. Timely? 
There we go. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. As I said, secretary, not a toy. Not a toy. Stop. Women in general, their pad is... To for, write in. Yeah, to write in, not to spend, spend the night, the night in. in. That's right. Hands off. Words of wisdom. <laughs> well, let's take a break. Come back with our farewells. All right, Cheryl Lee, thank you for joining us. It has been a pleasure. I've learned a lot. Just from being here? Just from being here. Hanging out with us. (laughs) So if anyone in our audience wants to learn more about you and what you do and your uh, innumerable talents, where can they find you? They can go to my website, Facebook page, Instagram, which is all an idiot on stage. Self-deprecating. That's exactly right. You weren't given that title by someone No, I gave it to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the way to do it. Uh, It's much less insulting that way. It's safer that way. So we'll put links to all of that in in the show notes. And and what what sort of stuff do you post on there? Uh, Well, it came from an original blog. So there's just general articles about... Um, theatre, everything that it, it's all about community theatre yeah, and the focus wonderful. is on that. So everything from marketing through to conversations about the ins and outs of Yeah, great. Well, know, that's producing. something that's really interesting. I everyone is articles. always. Yeah, well, I, I've been reading them and they're really interesting to – because you also speak at events? I don't. Shall don't? we put that on the list? I think you should. I should. should I just speak. recently got into narration or voiceover. Oh, my. It's hilarious. It oh, is. Good. I'd love Sitting to do Sitting in a soundproof room, talking to yourself. You know what I've always wanted to do is the voiceover at the cinema of that comes up over the the slide that says to turn off your mobile phones. Oh, yes. That voice that goes, shh, please turn off your mobile phones. <laughs> I want to do that. That's what I want You should do. record it and yeah. send it around. Send the it please you feel free to use this. Here's my showreel. <laughs> I can shush in many different ways. Well, if this is the first time that you're listening to the podcast, you can find us at our home on the web, that's notcanonproductions.com forward slash M-T-M-E-I-K. That's the first initials of the title. Or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash musicals taught me everything I know, on Twitter at musicals teach me, or you can email us and get a lovely reply probably from Julie. Yes. Dear friends. Duh, dude. Or ladies, musicals taught me podcast at gmail.com. Now, if you, like so many others, are curious about what we said about cats (laughs) in our second test episode... And if you like cats, don't be be afraid of this. This Two of us did not tear it apart. I enjoy cats. There, I've said it. I wow. don't. I don't actually enjoy on cats. record. No, I don't enjoy <laughs> cats, but I I uh, respect that cats has a place in the world. So, if you want to listen to that test episode, become a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash musical stop me everything I know. Little as one dollar a month, you get access to our two test episodes. There's two, and what? all of Julie's little drawings that I'm not allowed to call doodles anymore because apparently there's a double entendre and no one likes double entendres. <laughs> I think people like double entendres. They don't want to hear about Julie's doodle, though. Everyone. You all suck. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining us, uh, Cheryl Lee. And we'll we'll talk to you soon. 
Yeah, Thank come you. back. Are you That'd be back? great. I'd love yes. to come back. Excellent. Well, we'll book you in. Let's and do it. thanks for listening, everyone. We'll Bye. see you next time. Bye. 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 So you find yourself in a rustic tavern. It's lit by a fire and a half and a grumpy-looking bartender. And uh, I will to crime. What? I will to crime. More crime. I'm proficient. I assist. Sweet. I will to crime with advantage. Okay. All right. What crime exactly are you committing? Uh, to steal the hearts of everyone listening to us right now. No, I take it back. <laughs> Laura Disorder is a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast where the worst kind of people team up to rid the world of slightly more worse people. It's a whole thing. We're not the worst. Follow us on iTunes or on your podcatcher of choice. Find us online at that'snotcanonproductions.com or find Laura Disorder on Facebook and Twitter. And now, on with the game. A That's Not Canon Productions podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.